morning. If you're visiting here for the first time, my name is Philip Brand, and I'm the pastor here. And um, of course, that was our worship team, and there's three leaders, and they all kind of combined together to lead this morning, did a good job. So we're, we were thankful for that. A um, <clears throat> couple things, if you sign, if, if, yeah, <clears throat> I'm 13 and in middle school. If you signed up for uh, the Easter devotional, they are ready for you out at the Welcome Center, um, and there will be a lady there that will check off your name if you, if you got these. Um, I do know that there's not 15 days from today until Easter, so in this devotional, I have added uh, six bonus days, so you'll actually start tomorrow, read the six bonus days, and then you'll be into the Easter 15-day devotional. So if you signed up early, you get 16 extra extra devotionals to go through. Um, If you want to sign up today for the exact same price, you will get 15 devotionals next week. So if you want one of these, you'll sign up, put your card in a basket that's on a round table right out here, and I will, we will make these for you this week. So that's your Easter devotional. And is everybody enjoying the weather? Kind of, sort of, not really. It's kind of cold again, right? Um, how many, I just want to see, just, just wondering, how many of you have mowed their yard? Wow. That, congratulations. Congratulations. Um, I told Nicole, um, back when it was warm and ours started growing a little bit, I will not mow my yard in February. I just can't bring myself to do it, but... If anyone wants to read their LIBOR over to my house, I'm just kidding. But great, great. My neighbor has mowed his yard. He has this nice green grass that he has fed and like he works on all the time. And he has now mowed his four times this year since February. So it, it's really growing. So nonetheless, there you go. All right. We're in a series called What Is Your Job Now? And uh, this is the third part of that series. And uh, to get started, just a, just a few days ago, um, I, was, I was at hospice um, with a family that the father was about to die. Um, he, was, he was gasping for breath. If you've ever been a part of it, gasping for breath. His heart rate was still up. So uh, he, he did have a few more hours. Um, but what I thought was interesting was that room was just packed with family members. There, there were aunts, uncles, uh, a sister, um, and, and just people there, and they were playing um, gospel music on an iPhone and laying it on his bed so that he could hear the gospel music. Um, he would kind of calm down during the gospel music, and he would kind of wake up when it was off, so they were trying to give him comfort, and they were just all around, and the things that they were saying to him were really priceless. I'm not going to give you those today, but I just thought that not only were they there for him, they were really there for each other, right? And when you're going through a time like that, um, it's just nice to know that there are people in your family that care and and that they are there during that moment of trouble. Um, The other thing that I, oh yeah, yeah. Um, a few years ago, we had, we had a, a guy named here, a guy named 
we have a lot of guys that are named here, but we had a guy working for us. He was doing an internship. His name was Aaron Eaton. Do you remember Aaron Eaton? Aaron Eaton uh, was just, just a joy to be around. I, I don't think Aaron has ever had a bad day. Even when he's having a bad day, that day is good. I mean, he's just that kind of positive individual and cares a lot. Um, I took him to a funeral and uh, we, we went there, and uh, we were in the room with the family, and I asked him to pray, you know, for, for the family before we went in to do the, do the funeral. And he prayed a prayer that was absolutely brilliant. Not that you judge prayers, but it was absolutely brilliant. And it, it came out of a heart that he has of compassion, because Aaron has a gift of mercy, and almost everyone in the room, including me, was crying at the end of that prayer. He talked about the loved one. He talked about how we'd miss him. Aaron didn't even know this person, okay? But he had connected as soon as he went into the room with the situation. He knew people were mourning. He felt for them. And out of that heart of compassion, that genuine heart for compassion, he prayed a prayer that was absolutely brilliant, and just touched everybody's heart in the room. And I sat there. And, well, I didn't sit there. I was standing. And, I, and I, I was in that moment, and I thought, man, I wish I had just a tenth of what he has in that. And then I got to thinking, what if everyone could have that same heart of compassion in a moment like that? Wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't that be awesome? So, when you're in a situation where either someone is dying or it's a funeral or it's some other type of suffering situation, what is your job as the person that is looking into that particular situation? What are you, as a Christian, as a believer, as a friend, as a family member, supposed to do in that particular situation? And that is the question that we are going to explore today. So turn in your Bibles to Job chapter 2. Job chapter 2. What is your job now in a situation where there is suffering? What is your job now? So Job chapter 2. And here is a verse from the New Testament that we're going to read right before we jump into Job. And it says this. Romans 12, 15 says, Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. What does the Bible tell us to do? The Bible tells us to weep with people that are weeping. Job chapter 2, verse 11 says this, Now when Job's three friends heard of all of this evil that had come upon him, they came each from his own place, Elphaz, the Tenemite, Bildad, the Shuite, and Zophar, the Nanamite. They came and made an appointment together to come to show him sympathy and comfort him. Came to show him that. And when they saw him from a distance, they did not recognize him, and they raised their voices and wept, and they tore their robes and sprinkled dust on their heads toward heaven. And they sat with him on the ground seven days and seven nights, and no one spoke a word to him, for they saw that his suffering was very great. Job's friends 
saw Job's plot, plot, and they wept, and they felt for him, and they sat there with him. They wept because of the condition of their friend. Now, I don't know about you, I do not have the gift of mercy. I, I do not have the spiritual gift of compassion. I, I don't. The reason I can show mercy and compassion is because Jesus Christ saved my soul, and I have the Holy Spirit living inside of me, and the gift of the Spirit is compassion and mercy. So I do show mercy and compassion, but someone that has those gifts go far beyond anyone that has the Spirit and has that, that fruit. Are you, are you following me? So when I think of an Aaron Eaton, I'm like, man, he really has that gift. I don't, but I do have compassion and mercy in my heart. And when I see stuff like this and I see these friends ripping their clothes and they're feeling bad, I feel bad for people too. I don't know if I'd rip my clothes and sit in ashes and throw ashes in the air because we live in a different day and age, but nonetheless, I feel for those people. But what, what makes me qualified, what makes you qualified to help someone, to weep with them when they are weeping about something? Well, a few things. First, um, turning your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter, th- oh, whoa, 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 wait, wait, sorry. I'm kind of excited about this, so I just need to slow down, all right? So uh, about a year ago, my daughter, um, we got a phone call. It was Friday afternoon. I was sitting at the bar. We don't have, like, beer and stuff, but we have a bar in our house, right? And there's places where you serve food stuff, so I don't want you to think that there's drinking time at the pastor's house. So anyway, I'm, I'm sitting at the bar. I'm doing my studying, and Nicole's in the back room, and I get... Philip! So I run in there, and someone had called her to tell us that Aurora had been in a very bad car accident, and we just didn't know how she was doing. And it's at that moment in time that your heart goes through, you know, your feet, it's on the floor, you're wondering, and I dart out the door, I jump in my car, and yes, I sped through the neighborhood and sped all the way to the place where she was. When I got there, this is what I saw. Now, when you come upon that, the first thought is not she's okay. The first thought is, oh, my goodness, what has happened to her, right? And you immediately look for Aurora. You don't care about the car. You don't care about the people taking care of the car. You don't care about anything. You look for your daughter. So I looked for our founder. She was fine, not a scratch. She was, God had totally um, saved her from that accident. It was absolutely amazing. Now, this happened in front of a house of my friends, you know that letter I read the first week that she had lost her son in a fatal car accident? It happened right in front of their house. Who do you think was already on the scene with my daughter and with us in that process? It was them. Why? Because they understood what it meant to have a wreck like that. They understood what it meant for the parents to wonder if their child is okay. They understood even at a deeper level than we understood at that point what it would be like to actually lose someone. And so he and she came out of that house and said, we are so thankful to God that your daughter is still alive. And we all wept. They were weeping 
because they had remembrances of when they lost their child. We were weeping because our child was still alive. It was just an emotional crying moment, but it was the most comforting thing I have experienced in a very long period of time. Those people cared, we cared, and it matched because the experiences were very similar. So with that in mind, turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. I want to show you something from the Word of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. We'll be back in Job, but 2 Corinthians chapter 1. We're going to read verse 3. Listen to this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort. If you have your Bible open, underline that. The God of all comfort. Who comforts us, I would underline that too, in all our affliction. The Bible never tells you that you are not going to have affliction. It says that in this life you are going to have affliction and you have a God that's going to comfort you during that affliction. If you're wondering why you go through tough times, if you're wondering why you go through sorrowful times, every Christian that goes through sorrowful times at least goes through it for this purpose that is stated right here. This is what it says. Comforts us in all our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction. Why do you go through tough times? So that you can help someone else. That is always the purpose for your suffering. There might be other purposes, but in a general sweep, Every Christian that has ever suffered suffers in that particular regard so that they can help someone else. You have to feel like what it feels like to cry and grieve and suffer before you can connect with another heart that is doing the same thing. You have to experience that. Jesus Christ knew this. He came to the earth. He was beaten emotionally rejected by all of the people that he had chosen. He was left with nobody but his mother. Nobody. Even his father in heaven turned his head away from him on the cross. He was alone. And Jesus Christ can comfort you, first of all, because he's God, and second of all, because he has experienced suffering and pain and has wept and has felt things that you have felt as a human, and he knows how you feel. Just like we that suffer ourselves wonder, why in the world am I going through this? And you never know a bigger purpose, right? You never know what what you've learned, why you were there, but this is the one thing that you can take home today. You have suffered so that you can help someone else. In other words, your suffering is not all about you. Come on. It is not all about you. 
God has placed you in that situation to get you somewhere so that you can help someone else. And you know something else? When you are suffering, there's other people that have already suffered in maybe a like manner that God has placed into your life to help you and strengthen you through your time of suffering. The purpose for our suffering amongst believers, excuse me, I don't know what that was. That wasn't even middle school. It just kind of like, like, um, I'm really a computer. I don't know if you know this or not. Just a robot up here. I'm not really human. I'm just kidding. But nonetheless, God has placed you in that particular situation to help someone else. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, I have suffered and I'm here to help you. Do not turn to that neighbor and say, I don't want your help. Not a thing, not a thing to say. So, the people that come into your life that understand are the ones that you need to help through. Next screen. Um, I, when I was a kid, I won't tell you the whole story, I, have, I burnt my legs when I was eight years old. I poured gasoline on a grill. It was a smart thing to do. I poured gasoline on a charcoal grill. The charcoals were white. Very smart thing to do, right? And, and I burnt my legs. I have third-degree burns from the knee down, and they skin grafted up here. I can tell you this. Every time I have visited somebody in the hospital that is a burn victim, I feel their pain. I can minister to people that have been burnt better than I can minister to anyone else in the hospital. I understand exactly what they are going through. I understand what it feels like when they scrub the skin off. I understand what it feels like when you're trying to get those meds in. I can still feel the burns. I can feel that. And if you have gone through a traumatic experience and you hear that someone else has and you have made it through through yours, your responsibility at that moment is to go see them and help them through their tough time. Why? Because the Bible says in Romans 12, 15, we weep with those who weep. That's the next screen. Is that up there? Oh, I am seeing actually my current slide, right? That's, that's brilliant. Okay, great. Back to this. If you were here last week, you know why I'm so excited about that. Okay? So, go to Job chapter 3. Job chapter 3. Now, they have sat with Job, they have cried with Job, they have felt with Job for seven days, these friends, and Job now feels like he can talk for the very first time. He's been silent, hasn't said anything to him, but he feels safe to talk to these people. He feels like he can open his heart to these people because they've stayed with him for seven days, okay? And this is what he says. Let the day perish on which I was born, and the night that said a man is conceived. Let the day be darkness, may God above not seek it, nor light shine upon it. Let gloom and deep darkness claim it, let clouds dwell upon it. Let the blackness of the day terrify it, that night let thickness of darkness seize it. Let it not rejoice among the days of the year. Let it not come into the number of the months. Behold, 
That night be barren, let no joyful cry enter it. Let those uh, curse it who curse the day, who are already roused up to Leviathan. Let the stars of its dawn be dark, let it hope for light, but have none, nor see the eyelids of the morning, because it did not shut the doors of my mother's womb, nor hide the trouble from my eyes. Now let me pause here to say, he is not having suicidal thoughts. That's not what this is about. This passage is a passage about Job wrestling with the concept of God who is just. And in his mind, he's wondering how that works out in the scope of the world. Why am I going through suffering when I have done nothing wrong and you are a God of justice? That is his question. And his next question is, how does God, who is just, work all this out in a just way with justice? How does he do that? Because my concept, Job is saying, is not the concept that is really in reality. And I see that now because I'm suffering. So I'm wondering how God works in this world with justice, especially toward people who are innocent. How does God work? It's not what I thought it was. Verse 11, why did I not die at birth? come out from the womb and expire. In other words, if I was going to experience this, why did you even have me in life? What kind of justice is this? Why did the knees receive me, or why did the breasts that I should nurse? For then I would have lain down and been quiet. I would have slept, then I would have been at rest. With the kings and the counselors of the earth who rebuilt the ruins themselves, or with the princes who had gold, who filled their houses with silver, or why was I not as a hidden stillborn child, as infants who never see the light? There the wicked cease from troubling, and there the weary are at rest. There the prisoners are at ease together. They hear not the voice of the taskmaster. The small and the great are there, and the slave is free from his master. Why is light given to him who is in misery and life to the bitter in the soul, who long for death, but it comes not? And dig for it more than for hidden treasures, who rejoice exceedingly and are glad when they find the grave. Why is light given to a man whose way is hidden, whom God has hedged in? For my sighing comes instead of my bread, and my groanings are poured out like water. For the thing I fear comes upon me, and what I dread befalls me. I am not at ease, nor am I quiet. I have no rest but trouble comes. That is a poem about, I have no clue. I know that you're a God of just, but I'm not sure how it works out in this world. And do you know who was listening to his plea about this? His three friends. Now, I want to submit to you this morning that his three friends totally listened at that point in this conversation, and they attempt to give him an answer, Right? So for the next couple of passages, these three friends start to say, look, God is just and only wicked people suffer. 
And then Job will respond to say, no, 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 because I'm not wicked. I can take my case before God and say, I have followed him. I have made the sacrifices. I have studied him. I've tried to walk with him, but I'm still suffering. So it's not only the wicked that suffer. And then they'll go, no, 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 you have sinned and you need to repent. And then he will come back and say, hey, no, 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 no. It's not that. My sins have been forgiven. I can plead my case before God. And if you really look out and ask anyone, you see that wicked people in this life actually seem to be successful. It seems like God doesn't judge them at all, right? And so he's going back and forth, and his friends are trying to give him answers, and he's getting more and more frustrated. It is at this point that his three friends quit listening to him. They quit listening. They don't listen at all. By the next time that they speak, like the first run is them trying to prove their point. By the second run of the same thing that they're giving to him, making poor Job feel like he's dirt, they have quit listening to Job and they have started defending their point of view. Let me give you just a little bit of wisdom before we, we go on. If, you had made, if you've made a statement to somebody that's suffering and they come back at you and they say, no, that's not it, it's time to shut up. It's, it's, it's not a personal thing for you. You were there for that person. Just be quiet. You might walk out of the room still believing it. That's your prerogative. You can believe it, but just be quiet. Just listen to what they're saying and connect with what they're saying. When you start defending yourself to someone that's suffering, it becomes all about you and not about supporting them. You've got to support them. Job feels the same way. And this verse right here is in my top five of all favorite verses in the Bible. It's made the top five, and this is it. All that you would keep silent, and it would be your wisdom. That's an awesome verse. Sometimes I think this at times about myself. You know, if you'd be silent for you, that would be wisdom, right? There are people that you think might think this of. This is a great verse you can take out of context in many, many ways, right? But here in this passage of Scripture, it is, look, just be quiet. Quit doing this. Well, they continue, and this is what Job says of his comforters, right to their face. I have heard many such things. Miserable comforters are you all. It's awesome. Listen, you're sitting here trying to prove your point about some theological thing. I've been trying to tell you it's not true. You're not helping me out, and in fact, you're making my suffering worse. If I could mistranslate this, but translate it in a way that maybe Joe was feeling, it's don't you guys have a home to go to? Isn't it time for you to leave my house, right? Because you are constantly dumping and dumping and dumping on me, and I can't handle it. I am scraping sores with a piece of pottery. I have lost all of my children. I have lost all of my wealth. I have three servants and a wife left. And there's some days I'm not sure if I still have her. And if you've read chapter one, you know what I'm talking about, right? 
You're not sure if you ever. So I have nobody supporting him. He is being beaten down. Now, I want to show you a picture. This is a picture of Ty and Tracy Miller. You see, you see the height? He's about the same. Ty is in seventh grade, sixth grade, eighth grade, twelfth grade. Sixth grade? Good, great. So I had it right the first time, or did I say something different? I said sixth, great. Great, so he's in sixth grade. The reason you have to go through that is when you see Ty walk into the room, you think that he's in high school. Like, he, like if, if he was to be near my son, um, my son, who is in ninth grade, is shorter than Ty Miller. It, it's just that, that sort of deal. So here's, here's his mom. Now, on Friday evening at 8 o'clock, um, after a, a baseball practice, they went to Walmart, not the crazy Walmart. There's actually a Walmart that is actually nice. It's the Marketplace Walmart that's just a grocery store. I mean, for some reason, crazy people don't go to that one. I don't know why, but they're just not there. But nonetheless, they, went to, they were going there, and Ty says, look, look, Mom, if you, if you see anybody, can you just not talk to them? Okay? If you see somebody you know, can you just see them afar, basically, and, and walk the other direction or not try to meet, not try to talk to them? And she says, um, I actually have this, exactly what she says, but it doesn't matter. She said, well, I, I guess I can try. And Ty says, well, listen, I'm paraphrasing. I will go in with you, and if you see somebody you know, you can hide behind me. This is a picture of her hiding behind Ty, right? Now, I want you to notice something. Not only is Tracy hidden, but the dog is hidden too. See the dog right there? So go back to the other screen. If you see the dog, he's right over here. They turn around and there's the dog. So Ty is big enough to hide both his mother and the dog. So if they go to the Walmart with the C&I dog, he can hide both of them at any moment at any time. It's absolutely incredible. Listen. Sometimes in life, people need someone to hide behind. Sometimes in life, when people are suffering, they need someone to hide behind to protect them. Sometimes when you hear people giving someone the what for for their suffering, or they say stuff like this, they deserve it because they are, or they did this and that, that is the moment that that person that's suffering needs somebody to hide behind. Job had a person like that, at least at the beginning. If you flip over to Job chapter 32, there's a guy there that begins to be that protection for Job. His name is Elhu. And this is what he says, verse 6, and Elhu, the son of Barsheli, obviously that's Italian, the Buzzite, we're not really sure if that is a hairdresser or if it's, we're not sure what that buzz is, answered and said, I am young in years and you are aged, therefore I was timid and afraid to declare my opinion to you. I said, let the day speak and many years teach wisdom. 
But it is the spirit in man, the breath of the Almighty, that makes him understand. It is not the old who are wise, nor the aged who understand what is right. Therefore, I say, listen to me. Let me also declare my opinion. Behold, I waited for your words. I listened for your wise sayings while you searched out what to say. I gave you my attention. And behold, there was none among you who refuted Job or who answered his words or who answered his words. What is this guy saying? Y'all have been blowing a bunch of wind and you're not listening to Job. What is your job when someone is suffering? Sometimes it's to protect them from the idiots. Come on. Sometimes it's your job to protect the people from the idiots. They are suffering. You know, when I burnt my legs when I was eight years old, I was so scared that my dad was going to show up in the hospital, like in the emergency room and give me a spanking. I mean, I was like burnt. I played with gas. It was fire involved. I just knew that there was a spanking coming. You know, my dad came in. He didn't even spank me. Go figure, right? Didn't even spank me. Didn't even get on to me for pouring gas on the grill. He was just there. Why? Because the suffering was enough. And if someone is suffering, ladies and gentlemen, it's enough. You do not have to walk into the room and begin to beat them. And if you hear that happening, you need to be their protector and say, wait a minute, let's stop this and actually support this person with something more than what we are doing now. Sometimes people need someone to hide behind. Sometimes people need someone to hide behind. Next screen. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 through 13 says this. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bearing with one another. That word compassionate there is a word that means that you walk into a situation in order to connect with that person and their suffering. It's not just I'm compassionate and I feel bad. It's I know this person and I'm, I'm so sorry that they're going through this. At minimal, you and me, when one of us is suffering and we know each other, can at least say, man, Barry, He's a great guy. I hate he is going through this. Compassion, a heart of compassion. I hate he's going through this. You can at least feel that. We, what do we do with people? We have compassionate hearts for what they're going through. Second, kindness. We walk into a situation where someone's suffering, and it's not to beat them into the ground. It's not to judge them. It's not to look down on them. It is to walk into that situation and be kind. What a person that is going through a difficult time needs is somebody to be nice to them. It doesn't necessarily mean that you have to kind of twist truth or do something different. It doesn't mean that, but it means that when you walk in, your, your compassionate heart is also a kind heart, and you're there to support them, not to beat them down any further. It is not the moment for that. We have compassionate hearts, we have kindness, and then we have this stuff. Humility, meekness, and patience. We all, all of us, 
from time to time need a good dose of humility, don't we? We all need that. And if you walk into a place where you think you're better than the one that's suffering, don't go. If you think your life is better than the one that you're fixing to visit, don't go. If you, if you think that they deserve what, how they're suffering, don't go. You are not going with a humble heart. The fact of the matter is that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And if God really did work his justice in the world, none of us would be here right now. If God judged you as soon as you sinned, you would be dead. Make no mistake. So when you go into a situation where someone's suffering, and it might not even be because of sin, probably isn't. You walk into there, you have a humble heart because you love that person, not because you're better. Meekness and patience. Oh my goodness, patience. Oh, it is so difficult sometimes to walk with somebody through something that takes a year to get over. We're good for the first, you know, month. And then we get into the second month and it kind of fizzles off a little bit. And then by the third month, it just becomes a way of life, right? And then by the fourth month, we kind of forget that they're really suffering, but they're home suffering. I mean, that's just the way humans are. That's the way, that's the way we get to it. We have to have patience. This patience is an active word that means that at the beginning, we're just as intense as the three months into it, as the six months into it, until that person gets through. We do not forget the person that is suffering. Now, with that said, I have a few things that you can say to people that are suffering. Um, here are a couple things that you shouldn't say, okay? These are things that are said that are never helpful. It is about time you get over this. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Look, you've been, you've been cried enough. Let's just quit the tears. Let's pull up our bootstraps and let's go forward, Right? I don't know if that's exactly helpful, okay? It's just not something that's exactly helpful. You did, this happened to you because you made a choice back here, and this is the, this is the end result of that choice, and so you're just going to have to deal with it. Never helpful. Never helpful. At all. Never helpful. God is judging you, and he told me in a dream he was judging you. One of Job's friends tells him that in the first chapter, that he has some type of vision. It's not an angel, but he thinks it is. And he tells Job, you're suffering because of sin. God told me last night in a vision. No, 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 no. Those things are absolutely never, ever helpful in a situation. Never helpful. The other thing, another thing, um, <laughs> this could be worse. You know, this could be worse. You know, there are children in Africa. I have heard that at a hospital before. This could be worse. You know, there's children in Africa. And I'm like, what? They're in ICU. What are you talking about? Those people in Africa. We're concerned about this right here. This one, yeah. I don't often speak up because, you know, you're not supposed to judge in those situations. So here we go. The next one. What is God teaching you through this? Right? Somebody just had some bad news from the doctor, right? They tell you about it. Oh, man, I, I really feel bad for you, but 
what is God teaching you through this? What do you mean, what is God teaching you through this? This is absolutely ridiculous. Those things do not help. They're not helpful. So let me give you a couple that sometimes are helpful and sometimes aren't helpful, okay? So let me make sure I have have the right thing. Yeah. Things to say that are sometimes helpful but other times are not helpful. Here's, Here's some of them. Ready? Think positively. Sometimes that's a helpful thing to say. Sometimes you're in a situation where someone has just taught themselves into negativity. And it's the moment to say, look, let's think about some good things for a few moments. Let's think positively. There are times that you don't use this. You're going to have to just use wisdom. You don't use this one because you can walk into a situation and say, hey, your problem is you're negative. You need to be more positive about this suffering that you're going through. That is absolutely ridiculous. But sometimes, as a friend, you need to pull somebody. It's rare, but you need to pull them and say, look, you need to think a little more positively about this. We're still alive. We're still breathing. It's not all bad. The moment you use that is when there's like these facts, and then there's like everything else we've made up about them. You pull people back from all the stuff they made up about them because that's making them feel worse about their suffering, and it's needless. Are you you following me with that? So you say that. Next. What you should do is, sometimes, look, sometimes people are just telling you what's wrong. They don't want your opinion, okay? They don't want your opinion. The moment you use the what you should do is, is the moment that person asks you for their opinion. Do not use that unless they say, well, what would you do in this situation? Then you tell them, okay? So don't go in trying to fix it. Next, no use crying over spilt milk. That is great on your kids, but not in suffering situations. Never. It's not that bad. Again, sometimes you can use that. This is not that bad. We're going to get through this, right? And sometimes you just should not use that at all. Cheer up. Same thing. Sometimes you can use it. Sometimes you can't. Here's one you have to be very careful using, and this is like 2% of the time, and it's this. Let's let this go. Let's just let this go and move on, okay? Sometimes when you're suffering, it's time to embrace it so you can get through it. It's not time to let it go. But sometimes you might need to say that to someone. So those are sometimes helpful, sometimes not. Here's, a nut. Here's some things to say, next screen, that are always helpful if you mean them. I want you to say your, tell your neighbor, if you mean them, okay? If you do not mean these things, they will, it's just not good, okay? How do you feel? How do you feel? Look, I know you just got this information on the phone, how do you feel about this? What, what are you thinking? What, what emotions do you have? It's a great question. This must be hard for you. This must be hard for you. I don't completely understand how hard this is to receive news like this, but I know it's hard. This must be hard for you. And my heart goes out to you because of that. 
Next, I can't imagine what you're going through. I can't imagine it. You've just, you've lost your mother. I have no clue what that's like. My mom's still alive, but I can't imagine losing my mom, and I can't imagine what you're feeling at this moment. I'm so sorry that this has happened to you. Now listen, if you're suffering and someone says, I am so sorry, don't come back to say, well, you haven't done anything wrong. Don't say that. That's not what that means. This is a person telling you, I am so sorry that you're going through this. They're not taking responsibility for your pain. They're just saying, man, I feel it within my soul. I wish there was something I could do. I wish I knew what to do. Have you ever been in a hospital situation where the person's in ICU and you just wish you could handle things like Jesus? Be healed. There's a reason Benny Hinn doesn't go to the hospital. I'm just saying. Not criticizing, just saying. It would be nice if you could just walk into a room and say, be healed and handle it like Jesus. But there are sometimes you walk into a room and you have no clue what you could do. Here's something else. I wish I knew what to say. That comes with an embrace of some sort that you mean. You're hugging the person and you say, look, <laughs> I wish I knew what to say. The hug says more than anything you could verbally say to them. You help people that way. Here's another one. Do you want to talk about it? If they say no, you don't talk about it. If they say yes, you let them talk and you listen. Do we need to go home so you can rest? Sometimes people need to go to sleep. They're glad that you're there and they're thankful that you're there you are then giving them permission to tell you to go home in a very nice way. It's not because they don't like you, but they need rest. Here's one I use that I probably shouldn't use, but I use from time to time when it's just at a, at a particular point. Do you want to hear a crazy story that happened today? Right? I can tell by their reaction if they really want to hear the crazy story or not. Right? Right? But sometimes people really want to hear something that's outside of their suffering for a little bit and then come back, and you can provide that with a crazy story. I know that sounds like it's not a caring thing to do, but yeah. And trust me, I have plenty of crazy stories I can tell you. Plenty of them. Yeah. So, things to do that are always helpful. First of all, be there. Meals, cards, gifts, pick up groceries. Look, I'm going to the store. Do you need anything? I'm making, a, I'm making something at Walmart. I'm making a little thing in a cart so I can pick them up because, man, whoever thought of you could do something online, do all your groceries online, and then pick up the groceries at the store was brilliant. And at Walmart, unlike the other places, you don't have to pay for them putting it in the cart. Did you know that? Down here at the lesser... Um, grocery store, you have to pay for them to put it in the cart, but we won't say who that is for suing reasons. <laughs> Don't wait to be asked. Look, there, 
There's sometimes God places a person on your heart and you just wait for them to call. I don't want to bother them, right? I, I don't want to reach out to them. Maybe they just want to be alone, but God has placed them on your heart. You need to contact them. I will tell you, this morning, I had two people that was placed on my heart that I texted to tell them I was praying for them. Both of those people, I didn't know what was going on in their life. Both of those people responded with a very deep prayer request of a struggle they're going through currently. Did I know about their struggle? Not at all. Did God place them on my heart to reach out to them? Yes. You do not wait. You take the steps to contact the individual. I'll say this. Sometimes you contact an individual and they lie to you. Oh, yeah, everything's okay. Well, that's their prerogative. But what has happened is they have just realized that somebody in their life cares enough to reach out. It's worth its weight in gold. Um, make reminders. <laughs> like if you're a busy person, sometimes you just, yeah, I need to be reminded tonight to call such and such. There's nothing wrong with that. You've made the effort to do reminders in the evening that ding, oh, I need to do that. Look, my wife does reminders all the time. And, and it's, it's a great thing. Last, and we're going to close with this. I want to pray for you. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 says, First of all, then, I urge that supplication, prayers, and intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people. You pray. Now, some of you in here are scared to death to pray out loud. The reason is you're not really sure what to say. You want to say the right things. You, you want to pray the right way. And I'm here to tell you this. The person that's suffering doesn't care if your words are right. They don't. And God in heaven that's listening to you doesn't care if your words are right. But the prayer is the number one thing that you can do for a person that is suffering. I want you to raise your hand if you feel like today you just need a word of prayer. Just raise your hand. Yeah. Words of prayer. So, that was not literally all over the room, so that kind of ruins the end of it, kind of, sort of, not really. I want you to raise your hands again if you feel like you need a word of prayer today. Those of you around these people, to your right and to your left, that are on your row, I want you to take a moment right now and pray for that person, even though you don't know what the request is. I want you to pray for them in silence. You don't have to say anything. But I want you to pray to God that God will reach down and help them and support them with whatever need was on their mind in that moment. Father, we leave these requests at the cross. 
in your hands because they're more than capable. And we're thankful for that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As the worship team comes up,